Welcome to the Live in Everett podcast, where we explore good things in Everett, Washington. My name is Garrett Hunt. And I'm Henry J. filling in for Tyler Chisholm, who's at Disneyland. Lucky. I know. Ridiculous. <laughs> Welcome to the Live in Everett podcast, episode number 48, which is brought to you with support from People's Bank, locally owned and operated independent community bank since 1921. For a higher level of service for all your banking needs, visit the team at their flagship branch right here in downtown Everett at 2702 Colby. I feel like everybody's been going to Disneyland lately. I, I've never been. Really? Yeah. It's yeah, funny because not only is Tyler there right now, but my brother's also there right now. And my parents were there like last month. It's wild. Just, I guess it's that time of the year. I guess so. To get out of the, well, it's sunny today, but um, to get out of the sad and cold that we've been experiencing all this winter. It's true. Yeah. I was just in Arizona last week. Made it down there for one week of uh, kind of rest and relaxation, and my wife is pregnant right now, and so uh, we were keeping it pretty pretty mellow, nothing too crazy. But uh, my parents are down there right now, so that was a fun fun restful break. Took in a ball game though, pretty cool. You got to see the Mariners in spring training. Yep, it's went saw some spring training. Things. Yeah, that's so, on your bucket oh, list. Yeah, yeah, one day. Nice. There you go. So what's new with you? Um, gearing up for Fisherman's man. Uh, had dinner with Oliver Elf Army, been practicing with them again. Uh, I play bass with them sometimes. So this is going to be OEA three-piece for Fisherman's Village. I'm super excited. Uh, we play right after Sierra's band, Sleepover Club, who works with us. So Nice. Yeah, so it's going to be a big uh, Live in Everett Milltown party. Yeah, it's going to be... Norman Hall, Friday night. <laughs> nice. Yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with Fisherman's, that's the big music festival happening at the end of this month. I believe it's March 30th through mm. April 2nd. So yeah, that should be a really fun time. Through the 1st. Or through the 1st, okay. Yeah, three days. And cool. uh, I, I, the lineup came out... Well, the lineup came out a little while ago, but the schedule is out right now, so... And then what is this? Uh, you've been you've been dipping some fondue lately, or something? Yeah, when uh, I when when I was hanging out with Mary Martin from Oliver Elf Army, we had a fondue shade, is what it was called. So it was, oh. it was me and uh, and Scotty from Fauna Shade, and uh, we we had fondue dinner at their house, and it was very lovely. Nice, Ate there a lot you go. of cheese and bread, and felt really bloated, and it was a delicious <laughs> good time. Yeah, good times. So, um, if you're not familiar with Live in Everett, you can learn more about everything we do over on the website, liveineverett.com. One thing we do every month is our monthly Evie Awards, where you help us crown the best in Everett for this month's Evie Awards. We are voting on Everett's best pizza. Uh, you can vote now at liveineverett.com slash Evie. That's E-V-V-Y. Yeah, best pizza. That, that's kind of a heated one. Oh, yeah. Well, I, me as a New Yorker, yeah. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're like a diehard Brooklyn Brothers guy. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a diehard major league guy. Yeah. How about you, Tom? Do you have a favorite local pizza? Yeah, I think it's uh, called Giorgio's up on uh, oh. Evergreen Way. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. haven't tried Giorgio's. Yeah. That's like the Check old it school out. spot. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Like me, old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, hey, speaking of uh, Tom, who is with us today, uh, he is the CEO of Compass Health. And uh, Compass Health is a, a local nonprofit organization that focuses on behavioral health services. And uh, yeah, we're really honored to uh, have you here with us today. So thanks so much. Well, Garrett and Henry, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Well, before we jump in, we have a message from McLean Insurance. Uh, McLean Insurance has launched a Community Champion Award, a monthly award recognizing regular folks doing good things in the community. Winners get a micro-grant and, and publicity in McLean's monthly newsletter. Email your nominations to team at autohomeboat.com. Yeah, some community champions. Love it. 
So, uh, Tommy, you ready to jump in? You bet. Um, so why don't you fill us in with a little, uh, background on how you first, um, came to Everett and working with, uh, Compass Health. Sure. Uh, I grew up in the Chicago area and after I got married, my wife's family was living in Bellevue. So we moved out here just over 30 years ago and my oldest daughter was just a baby then and we love it here. All her family moved away for some reason. I don't know why that happened. I hope it wasn't us. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have really loved it here. And we bought our first home in uh, the city of Snohomish. But six months after we moved out, I uh, got my first job with Compass. At that time, it was called Mental Health Services of Snohomish County. Mm. And I lined social worker work uh, and uh, worked there now for over 30 years. Wow. And I've been CEO for the last 11 Wow. And I love Everett. Our main campus uh, is up by Forest Park. It's a wonderful place to not only serve kids, but we also have sort of centralized all our administrative staff up on that campus. Very cool. Nice. And you guys, you, you were saying earlier, you guys aren't just in Snohomish County. That's correct. Uh, we have over 20 locations in five counties. So Snohomish, Skagit, Wacom, Island, and San Juan counties. Okay. including uh, an office on Lopez and uh, office on Orcas Island. So oh, wow. we stretch pretty far out there. So, um, Tom, could you give us like an overview of Compass Health, like the history of the organization? I know it's been around for a really, a really long time. So. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Last year was our 115th anniversary. Wow. Um, we were started by a group of Lutheran uh, church members here in Everett who were concerned about uh, street kids uh, and created what was called the... Uh, Parkland Children's Home Society, and they built an orphanage uh, up on the site where we continue to provide services uh, to kids today. So over time, uh, there were many uh, generations and evolutions of the organization. And when uh, one of the last acts that uh, President Kennedy signed before he was assassinated was the Community Mental Health Act. And that was really created to set the platform for community-based organizations to provide mental health services outside of institutional settings like what used to be referred to as insane asylums uh, and really shift uh, that service uh, to the community. And so the organization was licensed as a community mental health center and renamed itself Luther Child Center. Luther Child Center then uh, went through, I guess to date over the last 20 years, 11 mergers and acquisitions that now creates the current footprint for Compass Health. Wow. And really the impetus for that uh, is twofold. One is uh, to gain the scale and opportunity to really create really robust systems of care. So when someone comes to us, whatever age they are, whether a child, adult, or an older adult, that we can match up the intensity of service to meet their immediate need. And then we can escalate service if things get worse uh, and we can decrease service if things are going better without one having to leave us and start all over with another provider. So that's really been our focus uh, for the last uh, 20 years. And that's what brings us to our current footprint. But the locus of what we do, really the, the hub of the organization is here in Everett. Gotcha. And can you talk to us a little bit about the specific different services uh, that you guys provide? Sure. 
So we provide um, 24-hour crisis response services. So if individuals call the care crisis line here in Everett at Volunteers of America at any time of the day, uh, or if you're a first responder and you're interacting with someone who appears to be in a behavioral health crisis, we have a team of staff that are available to respond uh, in the moment. We run a crisis center on Broadway. Uh, that is a center that's available for short-term stabilization for community members that are in crisis. We take direct law enforcement drop-off there. And one of the cool parts is rather than having uh, police officers sitting in an emergency room for hours uh, with someone that may be experiencing a behavioral health crisis, uh, we can get those first responders in and out in like eight minutes is the average time and let them go back on the streets and do their job and and we can do our job um, in terms of providing care for folks who are in crisis. So in addition to that, we provide traditional outpatient mental health treatment for all ages. And then we do some uh, very specialized programming for individuals who have severe and persistent mental illness as adults or children with the highest level of uh, what we would refer to as emotional disturbance. So we have very intensive programming that's involved uh, for uh, all those folks. We also operate a 16, two 16 bed residential treatment facilities. One's on Marine View Drive and one is uh, up near the Denny Youth Center, uh, actually right adjacent to that property in North Everett. Okay. I think that's a pretty good description of what we do. Gotcha. And, and so you guys, so, so you said you, you do some inpatient as well? We or do all outpatient. Um, we have a 16 bed inpatient facility that provides community based care for individuals who are involuntarily hospitalized uh, due to their mental health condition. That facility is actually in Muckleteo, okay. but that's where a resident of Everett would receive care if they found themselves under that circumstance. Okay, gotcha. And again, that's a very uh, people average seven to ten days. That's an alternative to the state hospital, where you know if you end up in. Western State Hospital down in Fort Stillicum, that's months and years, um, probably, in all likelihood. And our goal is to really stabilize folks, get them right back out with a really strong discharge and care plan, uh, get them right back out into the community. So who can take advantage of Compass Health Services, and how does that process work with getting people plugged in? Um, sure. So primarily we serve individuals who are at the lowest income level and on Medicaid. I should have stated earlier, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, and so anyone can come into any of our offices any day of the week and receive an assessment for care. We call that our open access model. Uh, here in Everett. Uh, so we try and be as open and accommodating as we possibly can. We've just found that one of the barriers in the past is if you kind of way the old system work, you call in, you get an appointment in 10 days or 14 days. You know, folks that are overcoming uh, the barriers to wanting to receive mental health services, we feel the best practice is to be right there for them right away in the moment. And so we've transitioned to this open access model. Uh, if you are uh, low income and not in Medicaid, we can also help you uh, 
um, qualify uh, since the Affordable Care Act was passed and the way that's been implemented in the state of Washington. It's very quick and very easy uh, to get qualified uh, for care. So we wouldn't just turn someone away. We want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to gain uh, the coverage that they need in order to get the service uh, that they require. So you mentioned earlier about um, working with law enforcement, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, what does that entail and how has that kind of helped law enforcement interact with people who are suffering with, with mental health issues? It's a great question and a critical one uh, in our community. There's a national evidence-based model of training for law enforcement. It's referred to as CIT, Crisis Intervention Training. And we participate in providing crisis intervention training to local law enforcement and Chief Templeton here in Everett has been very assertive about making sure that his officers have access to those trainings. So we participate as a subject matter expert, uh, providing uh, advice, guidance, and skill building for uh, law for police officers here in Everett. Uh, so when they are encountering an individual that's in behavioral uh, health crisis, uh, that they have the skills and tools and confidence uh, to intervene appropriately with those individuals. Yeah, I know that that has been a big problem that I've heard about that so often, uh, you know, police get calls uh, about, you know, someone who might have mental health problems and it's not typically their expertise of dealing with that. So uh, it's really cool that that training is available. And um, so has that been working pretty well? Uh, it's been working very well. And, you know, I think that in combination with having the ability to drop folks directly off at our facility on Broadway at the crisis center. Uh, it's a strong combination of support to law enforcement that really didn't exist earlier. And I think really disadvantaged police officers, putting them in situations where they weren't sure what to do. Um, and I think we've made a ton of progress uh, in terms of building, again, their skill set and their knowledge base about what to do when they encounter someone who's in a behavioral health crisis. I might also just briefly uh, say that we will soon be the first crisis center in the state that will take uh, direct drop-off from uh, paramedics. Oh, wow. Uh, so there were a lot of hurdles to overcome. We had to get some legislation passed at the state level uh, and then a lot of rule writing about how to do that in a way uh, that made sure everyone's protected uh, and gets the care they need. But that's another way to keep folks out of the local emergency rooms when really what they're experiencing is a behavioral health crisis and let those folks do what they do best, tending to community members with other health crises that they're facing and, and needing emergency care for. So this may be a, a kind of a, a dumb question, but like pertaining to like paramedics and things like that, like, like dropping patients off directly to you, would that be, cause I suffer from high anxiety mm -hmm. big time. So mm -hmm. like there's been a couple of times in my youth where it's like, I'm having like full blown panic attack, fun times. Yep. And it's like, maybe like, maybe I should go to the doctor. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I should go to the emergency room. So would that like cut down or are we talking about some things more serious than, than just like your standard panic attack or no, that would absolutely be a great example. Uh, and I should also mention that our crisis services are available to everyone. Uh, that should, that's an important distinction from speaking about the rest of our services that are primarily available to people on Medicaid. So as I like to say, if Bill Gates ended up in Everett and he went into a crisis, he absolutely would receive services and support from us in order to get the care that he would need. Hmm. Nice. 
Um, so the work that Compass Health does, I, I feel like, um, you know, I've, I've had some good friends experience some real serious mental health uh, problems. And so I'm so thankful for the work that you guys do. But I can only imagine how challenging the, the work is. Um, what are some of the challenges that Compass Health experiences as an organization? Well, I think one of our primary challenges is uh, last year we served 22,000 individuals, um, probably the vast majority of those here in Sonomish County and the vast majority of those in Sonomish County here in Everett. So we have 800 very skilled, trained staff uh, that work uh, across uh, all the geography and the communities that we serve. And we are constantly, constantly recruiting, recruiting, recruiting for more workforce members to provide the services. We always have tons of openings um, and have worked really hard to uh, sort of raise our game in terms of how we recruit and retain staff. So I would say our number one challenge is recruiting and retaining skilled, trained workforce members uh, to provide services uh, to folks that come to us because we do not say no. Mm. Um, so you know that that is a bit of a balancing act and a challenge and so we're really working to always sort of uh, think about how to shift our resources around uh, within the uh, staff that we have on who are just great committed folks I mean we just have the best staff do you think that's a challenge specifically in uh, kind of the mental health space or also for the greater social services sector in general you know I think that because we require certain credentials, certainly around our medical staff who are prescribing medications and providing meta, excuse me, medical care, as well as our licensed social workers and staff. So there's a level of education and background that's required uh, to do a lot of the work that we do. In that way, in my experience, that's a little different than sort of grassroots social service work uh, where uh, you have a broader pool of candidates to draw from. And so it's uh, it's a little bit more of a challenge for us, I would say. Yeah. That, that was that, gonna be my next, sorry Garrett, that was yeah, gonna be yeah. my next question is like, could me, like just somebody on the street, like come in and be like, hey, I wanna I wanna help out in some way. Are there openings for that? Or do you need to be like, like trained or have schooling or anything like that? We have a lot of different levels of um, jobs that are available, but also opportunities to help us on a volunteer basis or other basis in, in terms of the work that we do. So we, um, for example, one of probably the grow, fastest growing group of staff members, which is really gratifying, are what we refer to as certified peer counselors. So these are individuals with lived experience with mental health issues. Uh, you can be an adult or a youth. You go through a training program and get a lot of support, and we're employing those vastly within the organization oh, wow. and to have that dynamic of being able to go up to someone and say hey I've been exactly where you're at and I can walk this journey with you mm. in addition to the other things that we provide to them it's it's invaluable yeah, and powerful. so yeah so the um, I guess in answer to your question we're really broadening and thinking differently about um, you know who can contribute uh, to uh, the work that we're doing at the organization. I should also mention we do low-income housing because that is a, mm. another challenge area mm -hmm. uh, that I would mention uh, and, and maybe 
outside of workforce, the second most challenging area is finding decent, affordable places to live uh, for those we serve. It's a critical part of the recovery process. And I like to say, as if not important than anything else we do, if you can create that stable, affordable place for someone to reside, uh, their chances of moving uh, successfully through their recovery process is enhanced a thousandfold. Mm -hmm. And so we do some of that directly uh, and here in Everett. So uh, we have a couple apartment complexes um, where we provide very affordable low-income housing. And we are also in the planning stages of a major project that we're hoping to secure funding for, which would be a, oh, it'll be about an 82-unit uh, apartment complex through which we will uh, be implementing what's referred to as a housing first model. And so for folks mm. that are homeless, have mental health challenges, very, very likely also have addiction challenges, it kind of flips the model on its head instead of requiring you to be abstinent or other things that may not really be realistic. Uh, we just bring you in and give you a place to live and then wrap care around you uh, from sort of flipping, flipping around the old way of doing things. Sure. So we're really excited about that, and that's in the planning stages right now. Gotcha. Okay. So you guys currently are not using the housing first model, but with the new building that you're hoping will will go through, you'll be implementing that model. Correct. In order to really do it, you have to be able to operationally staff 24 hours a day, right? So sure. you need a project of scale um, in order to have the resources to pull that off, and the folks I know that know most about it, sort of like 80 is a good cutoff number. Mm. And if you do below that, then it becomes very challenging in order to really step up on the service side with the level of service that, that those folks need. And I believe this housing first model that you're talking about is the same model that the city of Everett is working on adopting as well, right? Yeah, the Safe Streets, uh, the first mm -hmm. project, uh, I think we would consider and we think the the city leadership certainly considers our project to be sort of the next project in line because that wonderful project will fill up right away mm -hmm. and then we'll still be, you know, and if they're successful, then we're just going to have another group of community members that are going to need a place to live. So we're hoping to come right up behind that project and become sort of the second uh, project to meet, meet those uh, priority needs. Very cool. I love it. And so speaking of um, the the needs uh, in general for for serving, um, you know, I, I, I guess for you specifically, our our mental health, our local mental health population, how are we doing as a, a greater community? You know, that's a great question. This is a really wonderful and transformational time uh, for mental health services. A lot of that, frankly, whatever your politics are is driven by the Affordable Care Act. Because the Affordable Care Act included mental health and addictions as uh, legitimate health conditions that had to be included in the essential benefit package for individuals that are covered either through Medicaid or through the insurance exchange, that really transformed things for us in a huge way. So it not open, only opened up access, by people being able to easily get onto either Medicaid or affordable insurance, but that insurance requires a mental health benefit and an addiction treatment benefit. And it's been just, I can't explain how transformational that, that has been. 
And it's really set the platform for what I think the next generation for Compass Health, uh, the next work of the next generation of our organization, which is moving towards whole person care. So being able to now have the opportunity to take the siloed and fragmented systems, mental health, addiction, and healthcare, medical care, which don't talk to each other. If you have concurrent issues in all three of those arenas, it's been like a crazy maze, a game of hide and seek to try mm -hmm. and you know find the care that you need. And we're right at the precipice of changing that. So the financing is gonna get integrated and we are now visioning uh, really how to move forward with whole person care on behalf of individuals. And I think it's gonna be tremendously powerful in serving our community members here in Everett. Um, so what are the what are the needs of Compass Health right now and uh, how can we help as a community? I think that um, having the support of the community is so critical to us and, and that includes financial support. And so uh, we do hold events where um, we are able to raise funds for some programs that we provide that are completely based on uh, funds, philanthropic funds uh, that we do through fundraising. Two good examples are we do two camps for kids. One is called Camp Mariposa. It's in partnership with the Moyer Foundation. If you're a baseball fan, that's Jamie Moyer and his wife hmm. uh, started a foundation. And we put on six or eight camps a year for children of addicted parents. And it's a fun time out in the woods at camp, uh, but also an opportunity to help those ki kids build skills to hopefully change the trajectory of their lives um, when they've grown up in a challenging environment like that. And the second one is Camp Out of the Box. So this is a camp we run on our uh, campus up uh, by Forest Park for kids with serious emotional disturbances that could not be successful in a traditional camp setting in the community, like a Y camp or a campfire mm -hmm. camp. So those programs only happen, and those kids only have those experiences, which every kid should go to camp and have that opportunity um, through the financial support of the, of the community. We hold a big, uh, if I can pitch this, uh, we hold a big gala event. Uh, I think this year's event will be September 14th, so if anyone wants to Put a little save the date on that. That would be awesome. And we'll be publicizing that through our soon-to-launch new website. Oh, cool. Uh, which we're really excited about. So we have an old website, and that's all I'll say about that. So we're going to be launching a new interactive website that is uh, not only going to make it really easy for people to get in touch with us, get access directly into services through the website. Uh, it'll also have uh, other interactive features around uh, sort of sharing information about issues related to behavioral health and connect up to our social media channel channels where we're every day kind of posting material uh, of interest around issues related to mental health. Nice. Good stuff. And um, so it sounds like he, you said you guys will take in any patients. Like it sounds like capacity isn't really an issue. It's more the issue of just having enough staff and finding qualified people to help out. And that's exactly right. Gotcha. That's a great way of putting it. So, uh, a lot of the, you know, there, there's certain issues in Everett with, um, drug abuse and, and transients and 
things like that. And I think sometimes uh, people will, will see in Everett uh, people around who seemingly may have mental health issues. And so it's probably usually more maybe if it looks like an individual might need help, it's probably more on their part that they might be unwilling to get help than it is that you guys actually, you guys have space and capacity to be able to help people. Yeah. Um, I might mention something else in that regard that might be uh, useful. We are a um, certified provider for mental health first aid and youth mental health first aid. So this is something that started in Australia and has become an international research-based model. And basically what it is, is we put on one-day trainings that teach community members from any sector about how to identify the signs and symptoms of someone that may be experiencing a mental health challenge, maybe themselves, maybe a family member, and maybe just someone, a neighbor, or someone they pass on the street. And then what to do when you encounter someone that you think needs help. And it's really, in our mind, also part of trying to destigmatize mental health. So our goal is to, and we have several initiatives um, that we're going to be launching around this, is to make it as common to get mental health first aid training as it is to get first aid and CPR. Hmm. Because we think that it should just be that common in our communities. So that's really for general community members. What I would say is if anyone is ever concerned about someone they see that they are think is experiencing some kind of behavioral health crisis, contact us. Um, the new website will make that a lot easier. You can do it on, you can do it today, uh, and it'll get to us. Uh, it's a little clunky, um, or you can just call us, and we will figure out a way uh, to reach out to those uh, individuals. We have a team of staff that all they do is reach out to folks that are homeless uh, and may need uh, intervention uh, from uh, from a clinician, and it really starts sort of with relationship building. And so, for folks who are res- you know, I don't want to use the word resistant, but maybe uh, not in a place where that's what they're seeking. We can still interact with those folks, build a relationship, you know, work around some basic stuff. Where are you going to get lunch? You know, do you need a place to stay? So what are the things we can do to help you out? Uh, And then build that relationship that hopefully would lead to folks getting the kind of care that they need. Cool, cool. Um, I feel like we kind of went over the future a little bit. Do you you have anything else to, to speak on about the about the future of Compass Health? Uh, Maybe I just elaborate just a little bit about um, whole person care and where that's all going. Um, I would just say that what we envision is that we will be creating new partnerships with primarily the healthcare system, but also some of the really terrific addiction treatment providers like Evergreen here in Everett. If you're familiar with Evergreen Treatment Services, they're Mm -hmm. a great organization. And we are really looking forward to figuring out how do we set this foundation in order to really be able to realize the aspiration of treating the whole person. It seems really easy to say, but it's really complex to do. And I would just say that that is the focus for us. We're we're looking at that not only from the clinical and service perspective, but also the infrastructure we need to have in place in order to be able to support uh, doing that work. And so we're transforming the whole organization and and moving a little bit away from organizing ourselves as a traditional nonprofit social service organization 
at really transforming ourselves into being a healthcare organization that primarily specializes in behavioral health, but continues to hold on to the mission of the organization that we've had for 115 years. So we want to make sure that our folks, our constituency, does not get left out of this transformation. So that that is what we're laser focused on. And I think that's going to be the next 30-year uh, history of the organization. Very cool. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a good, important work that you guys are doing. So Thank really you. appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So we have a few uh, Everett-centric questions yes. that we like to ask to all of our guests. And the first one is, how have you seen Everett change uh, since you've first been here? Oh, gosh, it's changed so much. When I, thinking back 30 years ago when I started uh, working like as a case manager and I'd be rolling around town, there were empty storefronts. I think there was a empty JCPenney that sat right down here downtown i can't remember what street it was on but you saw a lot of empty storefronts a lot of out of gone out of business sites and it was um i don't know it was just kind of like not a lot happening Mm -hmm. and everett today could not be more different i think the transformation that's happening uh, not only in the business sector and how that's influenced it but you know the arts is picking up in the restaurant uh, scene is picking up uh, in so many ways uh, that it uh, it's just it's wonderful it's a wonderful place to work uh, and live what do you think Everett's best kept secret is ooh best kept secret that's a really good question I um, I I think that people don't realize that the beautiful marina we have it's my understanding mm-hmm. that marina is the largest marina on the west coast yep yeah and i don't think people really understand how what a great resource that is uh to the city not just for recreational boating but um i think it just adds so much to to the city of everett and i think it's one of its its best secrets yeah absolutely i i agree yeah I, there's a lot of you know, positive momentum happening in Everett. But I do think once that waterfront really gets developed and more people start going down there, I think it's going to start to change some of the greater perceptions of Everett because it is gorgeous down there. Um, do you think Everett is misunderstood? And if so, why? Well, I, you know, I've been, yeah, again, I've been here a long time. Well, I keep saying that, but um, I think that in some ways, my sense was that Everett was looked at as sort of a second-class city in many ways uh, in my time that I've been here. And it is so gratifying to see that shift and change. And I, I think it has shifted and it has changed. I think that's so great for opening up opportunities for people to consider living in Everett, who I think in the past would have been like, hey, I don't mind going into work in Everett, but I don't want to live in Everett. And I think that's really, really changing. And I think some of the development uh, residentially, either in multifamily units through the developers that have been doing that work, uh, and I think doing it in a very thoughtful way, uh, but also the residential neighborhoods, I think, are transforming as well. And I think, and then the whole uh, transit uh, area and, and the plans that are made down there and some of the development that's already going on there, I, I think it's really wonderful. What does ever need, if anything? That's a good question. 
I think that um, if I, honestly, I think that we could use a really good hotel. Mm. I know there's a new one that's opened up, but you know, hotels can be anchor points and um, and feed and support so many other parts of what's going on in the city, uh, particularly the arts scene, the you know restaurant scene. And I think if we had a really nice hotel, I think that would really add something uh, to the city. Yeah, I know. I did hear that with the waterfront development, that is one thing they're planning on doing is putting in, in a hotel down there. So I think that would be great. Who knows? Right? Maybe, maybe that could fit the bill. Then I don't have to drive down to Seattle and stay at the Edgewater. I can just come yeah. right here and there get the go. same view, right? Yeah. What is your greatest hope for Everett's future? I think to continue on the path that it's on, really, because I think in combination with the things we were just talking about in terms of improvements in the city and how it's transformed, what the city hasn't lost is its heart. So look at the way the mayor's office, for example, has moved forward in really trying to figure out what is going on with our community members that are living on the streets, have all these issues going on that have impact on businesses, but it has impact on the lives of those community members too. And I think the fact that we still can balance that, that the total focus isn't just completely with blinders on to what's going on in the community as these other transformations are are happening. I think that uh, Mayor Stephenson deserves a lot of credit for getting that ball rolling. I have a lot of confidence in Cassie Franklin's gonna keep that uh, momentum going on into the future here. So that's what I think. I think the fact that we have we have heart in this community um, and haven't lost that is tremendous. Awesome. So we have a little game we like to play called Fast Favorites. So we're going to ask you five questions, and if you can answer them in 60 seconds, you might win a prize. Okay. I have the stopwatch ready, Garrett. You got the stopwatch ready? All right. Questions. Okay. Ready, Tom? Okay. Here we go. Where is your favorite place to eat? It's, this is new. Uh, I went to Abbott's with my wife uh, ah. just down the block here on Saturday, and she loved it, nice. so I love it. So nice. that's a new favorite. Favorite place to drink? Favorite place to drink would be the bar at Anthony Anthony's on the waterfront. Uh, favorite place to watch the sunset? The bar at Anthony's on the waterfront. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> favorite word to describe Everett? Dynamic. Favorite thing to do when you have free time? In Everett? Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, or at home, whatever. Or at home. Yeah. Uh, I like to go to the movies. Okay. There we yeah. go. Cool. All right. You made it. Did Congratulations, you, it? you won. Wow. I was sweating it. <laughs> I, I did want to keep keep talking to you about Abbott's because I actually haven't been there yet. Yeah, and it's right Just, down yeah, the street Yeah, despite from the our fact office. that it's like downstairs, basically. They've done a tremendous job. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you get to pick one prize out of the bag of mystery here. If you want to reach in, dig deep. There might be some gift cards hiding in the bottom, maybe. Oh, there you go. Hey. Ooh, wow. Everett pins. Everett buttons. Those, those buttons will uh, go on to a denim jacket here shortly. Perfect. That's nice. where all of mine are. So. <laughs> yeah, there's something about buttons and a denim jacket. I know, right? It's, it's like so peanut good. butter and jelly. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. They just, they just go together. So, um, so yeah, you, 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 were, uh, you were a fan of Abbott's. Your, your wife liked it. Very much so. so. Highly okay. recommend it to everyone. Cool. And I think it's a great story, too. Yeah. Behind the restaurant. Yeah, because they're the same owners as Bucks, right? Yeah, I, th- I think, as I understand it, uh, the new owner was 
the chef at Bucks, I think that's owned by his aunt, if I got oh, the story the, right. Oh, cool. okay. And that it's he and his wife that have uh, transformed that that place. So hopefully they'll do better than Gordon Ramsay. Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I know, yeah, we don't really have many like fine dining yeah. places in the area. So uh, yeah, next time I need a nice place for a date night, it's on my list to try out. I highly recommend it. So. I think Garrett should take the whole Living Everett team to Abbott's. Yeah, you wish. Yeah, and all fun. recent guests. Yes, and all recent guests. You heard it here first. <laughs> Garrett's going to take us trying all. Trying to break my bank here. Fancy din-din. Um, <laughs> Tom, before we get out of here, uh, is there any uh, ask of our audience? Where can people learn more about Compass Health? Uh, if you could like direct us to some websites or resources. You, you bet. So um, keep an eye on compasshealth.org because we will be launching our new uh, interactive website uh, in the next couple weeks here. Uh, so it is, cool. is going to come very quickly. And I also say if you're interested in the work, working, doing the work we do, I should say, uh, we'll also have uh, job application capacity right online on the website and can certainly do that if you're interested in donating uh, to our cause you can also do that on the website or if you want to attend our september 14th gala it'll be up at the Tulalip at the resort and uh, we would love to have you come very cool uh one more question before we get out of here you said you're from chicago right yes where is the best place to get a deep dish pie around here is there (sighs) You got, well, you got a hidden spot? Because my spot for, for New York pizza is Brooklyn Brothers, so I'm just wondering. You know, there there really isn't. There was a Giordano's that opened up for a while by uh, the Alderwood Mall, which is a long-time uh, stuffed pizza place from Chicago, but they didn't make it, darn it. Ah, so man. actually, I have it flown in uh, through <laughs> Lou Malnati's. If, Free, free advertisement for Lou Malnati, so you can you can get yourself a pie. That's hardcore. Nice. I actually did. Um, I, I went into Major League the the other week, and during lunchtime they have slices out, and they actually had some deep dish uh, that I didn't even know that they made. That. Oh, really? It, it was pretty yeah. good. So right. I mean, I don't know if it's like Chicago authentic or not or anything, but it sounds it sounds like you're just shilling your favorite pizza place it's true yeah with the contest Um, yeah i'm just trying to get more votes (laughs) (laughs) tom thanks so much for hanging out with us oh guys thanks for having me really appreciate it thank you um and thank you for listening to the live in every podcast we'd like to hear from you send us feedback tips or whatever you want um if you're listening on itunes take a minute to rate us helps a ton for sure and you can keep up with all the good things happening around everett by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter called the weekly goodness which is it comes out every single monday and it's full of upcoming events that are happening in everett our latest podcast and videos of the week a recap of what's new on the blog all kinds of good stuff uh, you can subscribe to the weekly goodness for free over on the website liveineverett.com slash subscribe once again thank you tom for joining us uh, special thanks to Oliver Elf Army, probably the greatest band in the world, and I'm not saying that because I play bass in that band, uh, for our theme music. And to me, producer Henry J, which, by the way, besides playing with Oliver Elf Army, you can catch my radio show, The Stereo Wire, every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. on 90.7 FM KSER, worldwide online, KSER.org, baby. Good things happen in Everett (laughs) because of you. Uh, So thank you so much for listening and being a part of this wonderful city. Have a great week. This is why we're Everett till the grave.